0: Good morning. Uh, I've noticed something in the last couple of years about my son, because he is two years old. Uh, It's taken a while to notice this thing, but the last couple of years have been great for us as a family, having a finally having a kid. But um, the last few months have been especially uh, interesting because he's now in this phase where um, I would call it the beginning of his rebellious phase, where uh, basically whatever. I'm trying to make him do. Um, he doesn't want to do it. So if I say, come here, he, like, runs over there. And if I try to put his shirt on, he's trying to take his shirt off. I'm trying to, um, you know, put him in the crib. He's trying to get out of the script. It's like whatever I'm trying to make him do, like he's doing the opposite, okay? And so I discovered, though, that uh, there's a really interesting way around this whole dilemma, and it's this. Um, whatever I'm trying to get him to do, if I just turn it into a competition, then he'll do it. Okay? So if I say something like, hey, uh, come down here so we can, uh, you know, get you a bath. He runs to the living room. All right? And so I used to be like, you know, come here, Landon. What, what are you doing? I used to try that method. Doesn't work as he just runs faster and runs harder and climbs higher. And, and so now what I do is I say, let's go, let's go take a bath. Let's go get a bath. And he, like, runs away and I go, let's race. Let's race to the bathroom. And all of a sudden, it's like he wants to run to the bathroom because I've now created a competition for him to compete with Dad, okay? And so everything can be fixed with this little competition thing now. It's really, really cool how this whole thing works. But the reason why I think he's like that is he's he's a little guy. He's a little, little male. He's a little man. He loves competition, right? I think... uh if there's one thing true about men, it's that we love competition. Everything is a competition on some level. You give anything to a guy, you give a guy a frisbee and three friends, they will turn it into a competition. Whatever they do will be a competition. All right? And so we, we're looking at this relationship series. We're looking at uh, some aspects of men, some aspects of women. We're looking at how men are competitive in everything they do when it comes to even dating, uh, even the... The way they talk about girls, they'll say things like, um, at least in my back in my day in, the, in the high school, they would say things like, did you score? Which was a question about how far did you go? Yet, the, the word score, as if she's some kind of objective or some kind of a goal. And uh, so men have their issues. Women also have their issues as well. I won't dive into those today. But um, we're looking at this dating and relationship series. And uh, we've also talked about how uh men are like dogs and women are like cats you guys came up with some some pretty interesting responses last week um when we asked that question how are men like dogs how are women like cats the answers were pretty hilarious and pretty endless and i'm sure you can use your imagination on some of those so um one being one of my favorites was that uh dogs chase cats and uh when they catch them they have no idea what to do with them so uh that's pretty pretty true um during this series, we're uh, also offering you an opportunity to text message any questions you may have in uh, during the series. Here's the number for you to put into your cell phones if you have not already done so. Please get your cell phone out now if you don't have this number up there and punch it in. And during the message or even like later tonight or whatever, if you want to uh, text us a question, we would love to um, compile those questions at the end of the series. We're going to have a, a couple of weeks where we just answer questions questions and, uh, and handle it that way. I do want you to see a couple of the questions from last week. Uh, here's one question, a really good question. Girls need touch in their relationships, but how do you know what is enough or too much touch? All right. Good question. Uh, we'll deal with that in a few weeks. Also, um, what age should I date? I'm 15, turning 16 December 1st. All right. So happy early birthday, whoever that person was. Um, But I also want to let you know we're not going to get you anything just because it's your birthday. Uh, But if you're, so what age should you date? Great question. Third question, uh, why can't guys tell you when they like you? Man, some girl is bitter. It's better. Um, we will handle that question as well, and I can't wait to answer these questions. It's going to be so much fun. Uh, so text us your questions, and we will, we will have some incredible responses for you prepared. Um, we also discussed last week, we looked at the big picture of relationships. We said that God is trying to accomplish something in you, and in the world as a result of relationships, as a result of marriage. And so the question I want to ask today is, if marriage is meant to paint a picture of Christ's relationship to the church, then how should that truth impact our dating life? If the whole point of relationships and marriage is to paint a picture for the world to see of Christ's relationship to the church, then how should that truth impact our dating life because some of you guys might be thinking well, I mean that's talking about marriage that's got little to do with my dating life I would challenge you that your dating life has everything to do with your marriage life I've seen a pattern in my own friends in high school that the way they dated in high school is the way that they married the way they handled relationships in high school is the way they handled when they got married and many of them are divorced today at the age of 30, 31, 32 years old now um, if we're going to talk about dating today, uh, we've got to define our terms a little bit. Um, I want you to discuss this for about a minute at your tables. Um, what is dating? How would you define dating? All right? So discuss for a few moments, and I'll get your responses in just a minute, okay? Discuss. should not take too long because it's pretty straightforward, but uh, how would you define dating? And if you have a good response that you want to share with everyone, feel free to raise your hand. I'll come to the microphone. Come to you with a microphone. Any responses? How would you define dating? All right, I'll start picking on people. So what did you guys say over here? <laughs> Do I need to come with the mic, Dave? No one understands it. Well, just try the rest of us. Uh, well, I don't think i else can understand it, but that, uh, since marriage is supposed to be the picture of Christ's relationship to the church, then your dating life should be the outline of the picture. Okay. Uh, yeah. No, that's, that's going in a good direction, I guess. Yeah. Um, I was surprisingly uh, deep. I mean, not for me. I'm saying for your table, though. That's good. Um, all right, who else? How do you define dating? Maybe I should save you guys for last. Yeah, go ahead. Do that. All right, all right, back here. How do you define dating? How do you define dating? Going out with someone. Going out with someone. You can't use... That doesn't make sense when they ask you out and you say yes and you're going out with them, okay, so you ask them out, they say yes, you're going out with them, okay All right,
1: who else? yes I think it's kind of like um well in dating, you're just trying to find somebody you're compatible with and someone who has like um the same goals are the same um, aims, and like you're in go- relationship with God, and like basically a relationship with you. So I guess it's more just like um, seeing who you're compatible with, really, in God's eyes and everything.
0: Okay. So you have a very, very interesting definition. Good. Yes. Zach. So, my table came up with the idea that dating is when you take a girl for a ride on your big green tractor. Wow. Alright, should so be good? Uh, my group decided that dating is like eating an apple. Once you get to the core, you just throw it away. Why? Do I keep falling for that? Wow. Dave, you're going to be lucky to see your senior year. Seriously. Hey, girls, I'll let you know a secret. From the heart, the mouth speaks. Even when they're joking, from the heart, the mouth speaks. All right? Um, so as you can see, there are plenty of, uh, of definitions for dating. Uh, but when you think about what is dating, that's always a question that's on everyone's mind. Like, how would you define it? Like, whatever a guy and a girl are, whatever, like, the girl wants to know, okay, so are we an item? Like, what is this? What do you, what do you call this thing that we do? You know? What is this? Right? And so you're always wanting to, like, define the relationship. All right? And uh, so, so how would you define dating? Basically, for our terms today, it's going to be really simple. Really simple. Listen up. If you are spending time with someone of the opposite sex, and you both like each other, you're dating. Alright? Now, I had some really, uh, overly spiritual friends in college. They would do things like this, really stupid. They would be like, um, yeah, me and that girl, we're not really dating. We're not dating. And I said, well, do you like her? Yes. Does she like you? Yes. Are you spending time together? Yes, but we're not dating. And I'm like, well, that is so dumb. Like, you're just talking about a word. That's all, That's the only difference, okay? And so um, I made fun of my friends that do that kind of stuff. But but for you guys, just so you know, if if you're spending time with someone that you like and they like you, then I would say that's kind of like you're dating, all right? Because my guess would be, That if you went and spent time with someone else in the same way, they'd be jealous. Right? And so even if you don't define it, there's still all these unwritten rules, right? That you're, that you're, you have to adhere to. Right? And so it's real simple. We're gonna look at just sort of a loose definition of this whole thing as we unpack it the next two weeks. Dating has a really interesting history because, uh, you may not know this, but dating is a pretty recent phenomenon. Um, uh, about 100 years ago, everything was completely different. Um, it, it was an issue of, uh, basically, if you were a guy who liked a girl in the next town over, then uh, you may have to ride your horse over there and uh, and ask her father um, if you can meet his daughter. And if you can court or date his daughter, alright, it was a real formal occasion, um, he'd wear a suit, make sure it was nice and neatly pressed, he'd make sure he brought a little watch thing that hang down like right here maybe, and, uh, and he would go meet this, this girl's parents and, and ask them if he could, if he could pursue their daughter, and so they would go into like a little nice room, probably called a parlor, or something fancy like that, and, uh, and they'd all meet and they would discuss this whole idea. And uh, I'm sure the interview would actually take place while the dad stood him down with a shotgun, like pointed right at him, okay? Like it was a serious deal. If they had messed with someone else's daughter, it was a big deal, all right? And so um, today, of course, uh, if you if you want to know what dating looks like today, it's pretty much like it runs again I actually heard about a story this past week where you can actually virtually date people, where you create like a a video game persona on the internet. You can, like, date someone online and actually meet later and, you know, and and actually go on a real date with this person. Really strange. Really weird people do that kind of thing. But there's a lot of different ways people date today as opposed to, like, 100 years ago. Now, dating is not mentioned anywhere in the Bible. So whenever the Bible is silent on something, we then look for principles that guide us in how we should do something, okay? So, um... Even though the Bible doesn't actually mention the concept of dating or anything like that, didn't exist back then, uh, we still look for principles to, to go by when it comes to our dating lives. So what I'm going to do the next two weeks is I'm going to look at uh, ten good dating questions to ask yourself as you think about relationships. We'll, we'll do five questions today, five questions next week. The first one is this. Is the relationship consuming your life? You see, it's it's natural to desire relationship, of course. We're created for that. Uh, But when a relationship occupies the place of God in your life, it becomes destructive. You see, when a relationship becomes ultimate, when it takes the place of God, God would call this idolatry. Exodus chapter 20 verse 2 says, You shall have no other gods before me. And God was not just talking about, uh, you know, worshipping a little uh, baby Buddha statue. When he said that, okay? It goes way beyond that. It goes beyond literal stat, literal idols. It goes to uh, functional idols. It goes to the kind of idols that you prop up inside your heart, things that replace God himself. So the question is, how do you know if that's you? How do you know if you're in a relationship right now, or you want to be in one right now? How do you know if you're allowing this thing to become an idol to you? Here's some questions to think about. Do you have to be dating someone to feel good about yourself? Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Jasmine. This is a rhetorical question. You can just think about it. But if you want to answer that out loud, you can feel free. And, and you know, that's fine too. Uh, but do you have to be dating someone to feel good about yourself? Uh, I had, a, had a, uh, a girlfriend in college... When I, I moved to Texas when I was 19 years old. Um, I immediately began uh, dating this one girl named Rachel. We dated for like 10 months. Then we broke up. And I noticed after I broke up with her, there was this pattern in her life where um, where she must have dated about, I think, 20 guys over the next uh, two years. I'm sure looking to replace me, you know. Um, and uh, she really couldn't find a guy as good as me. So that's why she had to go with 20 guys. But, um, but yeah, so she... Most dated like 20 guys in a two-year time frame. I mean, this girl just seemed to have this mindset that I've got to be in a relationship to feel good about myself. I've got to have that. I've got to have that. And so, are you the kind of person that, have you you left all of your friends? This will get some of you girls especially. Have you left all of your friends and replaced them with your, your boyfriend? Or for a guy, have you left all your friends and replaced them with your girlfriend? You see, some of you, I've seen the pattern in this room at times. Some of you don't have any friends. You don't have any friends. All you have is a boyfriend or girlfriend. You've made a trade. You've traded. And even if you're, listen to this, even if you're single, even if you're single, do you obsess over finding someone? Um, are you looking for someone to complete you, to fulfill you, to make you happy? If you're only happy in a relationship, then it's an idol. Are you, someone, are you someone who uses relationships to escape pain, the pain of life? You've got a really painful home life, and so you escape to relationships to sort of get out of that, to find some kind of an oasis in the midst of your painful life. You see, this kind of person... That I'm describing, this kind of person is what I would call codependent and and like a tick on a dog, they suck the life out of people. They really do. I mean they are so dependent on people that they they make people the God in their life. And no one can come through for them in that way. Even when they expect people to come through for them and fulfill something inside of them, they they in the end nothing can fulfill. Nothing can fulfil. And so this person is often depressed, lonely, self-centered. They worry all the time about relationships because their idol never, ever fulfills them. The Bible talks about this concept that when you worship an idol, listen up, when you worship an idol, you become like the very thing that you worship. Okay? And so, if you think about it like this, when you worship a lifeless idol, if you're wanting someone else to fulfill something only God can fulfill, when you worship that, you're going to be just as empty as your idol. You're going to be lifeless just like your idol. Is that you? Number two. Is the relationship keeping you from thinking clearly? You see, when when someone is drunk, they are not thinking clearly at all. Now, Many teenagers, when they're in love, it's like they're drunk with love, okay? And for some teens, uh, being in love is like being drunk. As like they are going down the road and they're like thinking about this other person, they're all over the road and stuff. Like they just can't keep their mind on what they're doing, right? So do your, do your friends, do your parents, do the people closest to you, do they say things like, hey, you you changed like, since you've been with this person. You, you've changed for the worse since you've been with this person. You see, there's a a huge difference between love and real love. Um, People throw the word love around all the time like they know what it means. At your age, you have no idea what it means. You have no idea what is being required of you when you use that word. You are too young to say, I love you, okay, in a relationship like that. You can say it to your friends. I mean, I'm not saying you can't be like, oh, I can't say that word. That's that's where the draw the line. I'm talking about, if you're in a relationship, you cannot say that word. You can't do it. Don't mistake romantic feelings for love. You see, there are three things that drive romantic feelings, and it's this. Emotions, hormones, and what I would call the spiritual vibe. Okay, I'll explain the third one since you know what the first two are, I'm sure. Emotions, hormones, pretty self-explanatory. But the spiritual vibe, I would describe it this way. Ever been on some kind of a camp experience or a mission trip of some kind and um, around the campfire uh, there's that guy or girl that just, they prayed a certain way or they said something really spiritual and you just went, huh, that... That, that person is just really spiritually hot. Right? Like somehow you just, you just feel instantly attracted because of some spiritual vibe that you got from this person, right? Um, I'll, also, I'll also say this, that uh, guys can easily manipulate things. In these kinds of situations, so, so what some guys will do is that they know a certain girl, uh, you know, likes the, the, the strong Christian guy. He'll play that role as long as he has to. He'll play that role. In fact, he might even come to you and say something like this. He might say, you know, I was, I was praying, uh, for like three hours last night. And I was praying about who I should pursue for a relationship and God told me it was supposed to be you. Right? And so no pressure, but if you want to obey God, then you need to go out with me. Okay? And so they over-spiritualize things, and they put out the spiritual vibe trying to attract the opposite sex, and oftentimes it works. Okay? So you've got three things that drive these romantic feelings. You've got emotions, hormones, and the spiritual Okay? Now, um, the weird thing about what I'm saying is that it goes counter to everything you're taught by our culture. Our culture tells you this about your heart. They say, follow your heart. Right? As if you're like a dog being led around on a leash by your heart. Just go wherever your heart goes. Whatever you feel, go there. Right? They say, follow your heart. If I feel it, it must be right. Now, let me tell you this. You can only follow your heart if your heart is following after Jesus. You can only follow your heart if your heart has sold out to God and is leading you in a direction that Christ would want you to go in. That's the only time you can really follow your heart. You can't just listen to your feelings and your emotions and have those supersede what God wants for you. You see, for the the kind of person I'm describing, their, their feelings have become their authority. God... The Bible, parents, have been pushed to the sidelines. And in this person's life, their feelings are their authority. And so the moment that your feelings become your authority, you are in big trouble. The moment that your feelings take the place of God, take the place of people who have wisdom in your life, the moment that happens, you are in big trouble. You see, if everyone around you is telling you one thing and you're doing the exact opposite, you are not thinking clearly. Jeremiah 17 verse 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Jeremiah knew something about the human condition. He knew that, that in our heart, in our core, we are wicked, we are deceived, we are self-deceived. We don't just deceive other, other people, we actually deceive ourselves. And our hearts are the biggest source of self-deception. And you might say something like, okay, uh, but, but thinking clearly, logic, reason, those things don't sound very romantic, right? They don't sound like, whenever you watch movies, they have this very mysterious, like, abstract, ethereal, like, view of love. Love looks like just the the best thing in the world, and it's all about feelings and, like, this hyper, hyper hyper-emotionalized environment. And so, everything else is pushed to the side. Like, if if someone actually engages their mind, it's unromantic, right? And so, you might say, like, but but we're in love. Like, I don't want to think too much about it. I don't want to be you know, too logical about it. You see, guys, your your purpose right now should be just to learn how to relate to the opposite sex. And that's it. You shouldn't be having like a mini marriage, right? While you're in high school. It It should be just learn how to relate to the opposite sex. Don't have a mini marriage in high school. I'm going to touch on this a lot later in our series, but I also encourage you neglect the physical aspect of a relationship. Don't go there. Because let me tell you this, when, when, you, when you go there with someone else and you get physical on any level, it's like a drug. It's like a drug. I'll explain what I mean. When I was in high school, I dated a girl for about 10 months and it was a, a, a pretty physical relationship for a while and it was uh, just leading us both down a really bad path. And there was a point about six months in where I knew this relationship was wrong and I should just end it. But I couldn't do it because of the physical. Because after a while, it becomes like this addiction. It becomes like, you're basically like a a druggie trying to get off drugs, right? I mean, for a guy especially, it literally goes through a guy's mind. Okay, I know I should end the relationship, but... I really enjoy the physical aspect of that relationship. I mean, we're wired for that, right? So it just, it becomes like a drug. And you can't think clearly when you're engaged in that kind of stuff. And so if this is is you, if I'm describing you right now, ask the people that you respect, ask the people that that you would say have wisdom in your life, am I ready to be in a relationship with someone? Do you think I'm ready to date right now in my life. Question three. Is he or she a devoted follower of Christ? This one, I think, is the most important one that I will discuss this morning. You see, it's not enough to say someone's a Christian. Everyone here says they're a Christian. Everyone says, yeah, I go to church, I'm a Christian. But are they following Christ? Are they truly a devoted follower of Christ? Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 and 16 says this. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or What fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? What does a believer have in common with unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them. And I'll be their God and they will be my people. Now, this verse is not saying that you can't have Christian friends. We're not against you being in relationship with people that aren't Christian. We're not saying that. What it is saying is that you should not be in binding relationships with people, if you're a Christian, with unbelievers. Now, this could be. This is definitely applied to marriage, and it's definitely applied to certain kinds of business partnerships, but it can also be applied to dating. Because as I said before, I think the way you date is, is how you're going to marry. And so here's the, the picture that, that Paul's trying to paint in this verse. He says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. Here's what he meant by that. You guys have seen the picture of, of, of uh, a couple of oxen um, tiling through a field. They have what's called a yoke around their neck. So they're yoked together. What they would do is they would find... <laughs> Two oxen of similar strength. They had to be of similar strength because if they found a really, really strong oxen and a really weak oxen, it would make circles in the field, right? One's stronger, one's going to push the other one in this direction, right? The weaker one can't handle it. And so if you're in a relationship with someone who's not of equal beliefs, they're going to overpower you. They are going to steer you in a direction that you do not want to go in. So do not be yoked together with unbelievers. That, that applies to dating as well. Now some of you, especially girls, a lot of girls have the Messiah complex. Like, oh, but I can, I can change him. I can save him. I'm here to save the day, right? And they think, I can change this person, right? Now even if, even if you could change someone, You run the risk of having them change for the wrong reasons. Because as I said before, guys will pretty much do anything to impress a girl. So if you say to a guy, you know, it's not working out. Um, You're into devil worship, and I'm a Christian, and that just doesn't really, you know, that's not really... We're we're on the same team, okay? And and so it's not really going to work out. And he could say, well, hey, you know what? Um... I can I can forget about my whole Satan ritual worship and I can become a Christian real quick, right? Like he can play the game. He can play the game for you if he needed to. Guys will do anything to impress a girl. In fact, in, uh, when I was in high school, I had a math teacher, a female math teacher who her husband was not a Christian. She was a Christian, and I saw in this lady like she would talk about with us, the students that were pretty close to her, about just the pain that caused in her marriage. The fact that she was a believer, her husband was not a believer, and for 25 years, she lived in misery. Because they didn't, they didn't agree on anything, with how to raise the kids, with any of that kind of stuff. And it started when she fell in love with him when they were dating. She wasn't a solid believer, so she was led astray by him, and she came back to Christ later in life, Only to find yourself in a miserable marriage because of of where this guy was at spiritually. So the question is, how do you know if someone is a devoted Christ follower? There's two ways. Do they have a personal faith story? If you said to them, tell me your faith story. How did you come to know Christ? If they can explain that to you and they can talk about a time where they realized they were a sinner separated from God, and they actually prayed to receive Christ into their life, if they can explain that stuff to you, that's step one. Second thing, change lifestyle. <clears throat> Have they had a changed lifestyle? It's you know, somebody can pray all day about receiving Christ, but if they're still doing the same things over and over and over again, and they've had no changed lifestyle, I'd say forget about it. Forget it. You see... I'll close this, this question with this statement. If you're someone who is romantically drawn to non Christians, then you need to examine your own heart. If you're someone who is drawn, I wouldn't just tell you, yeah, don't go date non Christians, or someone who's not a devoted to follower of Christ. I would challenge you. I would say that if you're someone who is drawn to that kind of person, then something is wrong with your own heart. He goes, why else would you find that attractive? Why else would you find that person... Why would you be drawn to that person if your heart was in the right place? You see, if you were a devoted follower of Christ, if you were someone who's passionate about Christ, then you'll, you'll be drawn to this kind of person. Number four, uh, are you taking it slow? Anyone here ever talk to someone for the first time and uh, you feel like you've known them your whole life? of the opposite sex you just have this great conversation the first time you meet them you're just like wow feel like I've known them my whole life anyone? wow everybody look at all the hands go up <laughs> um, so often I think this is true especially when you get into like college and stuff you'll meet someone you'll just go like, you'll really connect and you'll just think you know this person so well you don't you don't know them as well as you think you do this is like this is like the guy who uh, on the first date he tells the, the girl um, you know I think you're the kind of person that I could marry or this is like the girl who, who asked the guy like so just like hypothetically how many kids would you want? right? like moving way too fast way too fast okay? this is the kind of couple that would like ask questions like you know so if you were to have a wedding like who would be in your like Who would be your bridesmaids? Who would be your groomsmen? Like they have conversations like this, all right? I'm not saying about us, but just you know, just hypothetically. I mean, it, it, it gets pretty ridiculous. You see, if, if you speed up, if you speed up, your emotions will will cloud your judgment. You will get so wrapped up in this thing that your judgment, you will not be thinking clearly. You're moving way too fast. You know, um, one of the things that I noticed about you guys especially is that in our culture today, like back when I was in high school a long time ago, um, to talk to my girlfriend, I actually had to go to this this phone that had a wire coming out of the wall, okay? I had to like, you know the rotary phone? Do you guys know what a rotary phone is?
1: Yeah.
0: It's like little numbers on a dial. You actually turn the dial and you wait for it to like go back to zero Meanwhile you can like make a pizza it takes so long. And so I'm like down this number, right? It was long distance, because I live in the middle of nowhere. And so it cost like a dollar fifty a minute or something like that. So I could never even call my girlfriend in high school, okay? And so once we left school, it was like I was like on an island far, far away. I couldn't even talk to her, I couldn't text her, I couldn't do any of that kind of stuff. Whereas today, it's like you wake up, you're like, Facebook, Facebook. You're at school, text, 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 text. You're at school hanging out. You go home from school, you're texting, 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 texting. It's like all the time, 24-7, you can be like connected in some way through technology. Take a break. If you're doing that, like you're moving way too fast. Moving way too fast. Proverbs four uh, twenty three says this. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Now, this is not saying like you need to be, you know, like someone tries to talk to you and you're like, uh, don't talk to me. I'm guarding my heart. Like don't, I don't converse with people of the opposite sex. Stay away. Stay away from me. This is, this is talking about having a wisdom in the heart. This is talking about making sure that your, your heart is still following Jesus if you're going to be in some kind of relationship. It's about taking wisdom into the heart. It doesn't mean you don't let people get to know you, but be careful not to do something really stupid in the process. So instead of, so a popular mantra in our culture is follow your heart. Instead of following your heart, God wants you to guard your heart. Make sure your heart is still following Jesus in the midst of your relationship. Instead of following your heart, you guard your heart. If you jump, and, and plus, I'll just end with this on this one question. If, if you, are the kind of person I'm describing here, you're going to appear desperate. You're going to smother the person. They're going to get really annoyed with you, and they're going to break up with you. And you're going to find it difficult to maintain relationship as a result of that. Question five. Have you set clear boundaries? Now you might say, well, I thought that relationships were supposed to be close, and we're not supposed to have boundaries in relationships, and, you know, we're not supposed to have, like, lines drawn in the sand with our relationships, are we? I'm saying yes, you should have lines drawn in the sand with your relationships, especially right now. There's two areas where you can go, uh, violate boundaries, of course. Physical, obviously a huge one. And we're going to discuss this a lot, uh, next week as well but physical boundaries. In other words, that you articulate in a relationship, hey, like, I think this is sin. Like, I think anything beyond kissing is sin. Anything beyond this is sin. That you actually tell, you articulate those things in a relationship. What is it telling you? If you don't articulate those things, and you both agree on those things, then you will fall. You will fall to Temptation. It's it's difficult enough as it is. But if you don't say those kinds of things, then if there's no boundary communicated, then there will be no boundaries. Physical, big deal. Emotional boundaries. Making sure that you don't become emotionally codependent on someone where they are everything to you. Emotional boundaries. Proverbs 4. Uh, verses 14 to 15 says this. It says, Do not set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evil men. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn from it and go on your way. Basically, it is saying stay away from stupid people. Okay? Stay away from people who are unwise, people who play the religious game just to have a relationship with you. Stay away from people who are a wolf in sheep's clothing, okay? Stay away from them, people who violate your boundaries, all right? Guys, we're going to look at five more questions next week. And so I'm going to pray for you and uh, you can get out of here. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for... Uh, being a God who cares about even our dating relations, being a God who cares about um, where we're at right now, even in high school. You care about how we live out our relationships. You care about how we um, carry ourselves in our lives. God, I pray that as we, as we think through these questions, that should hopefully uh, stir up some conversation, hopefully stir up uh, some thoughts in the hearts of, of these guys and girls in this room. I pray that if there's anyone in the room, God, that is is, is not living according to your plan, in their dating life, God, they'd be convicted by that. They would be um, drawn to you. They would really want to uh, guard their heart. They'd want to follow you first and not follow their emotions. God, I pray that you would just give us wisdom as we deal with these issues. I pray you'd give me wisdom during the question time in a couple of weeks. And I would pray for this in Amen. Uh, if
1: you're Amen. Staying-